The opinions and suggestions expressed in the following program are solely those of the participants and are not necessarily endorsed by KRMG, Cox Media Group Incorporated, or the program sponsors. This following program is sponsored by Causeway LLC. Information in this broadcast is not intended as an investment, tax, or financial advice. Matthew Moore is not a licensed investment advisor and speaks solely from his experience and opinions. All information in this broadcast is for entertainment or educational purposes only. Matthew Moore, Causeway LLC, and Cox Media Group Tulsa are not responsible for the success or failure of any person's investment decisions or purchases. Matthew Moore, Causeway LLC, and Cox Media Group Tulsa makes no and expressly disclaims all representations, warranties, and guarantees with respect to this broadcast and its sponsors. Investing in any market is inherently risky and can be financially dangerous. Invest at your own risk. Gather knowledge in the world of cryptocurrency right now on 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's news and talk. Welcome to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. Matthew is locally based right here in Tulsa. Questions, comments, concerns? Call 918-460-5764 or send us an open mic using the KRMG app. Now, here's Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. And welcome to the show. Good Sunday evening to you. My name is Russell Mills. Pleasure to be with you. We are live and local tonight in the big city of Tulsa and what has turned out to be a lovely Sunday afternoon. And uh, looking forward to some great weather uh, this week. And, of course, the holidays really getting rolling with Thanksgiving. And we got a lot to be thankful for. But I'll tell you what, we brought you some news last week about FTX, the world's second largest crypto exchange in its abrupt and pretty much complete collapse. And what that has done to the industry, it has uh, rattled a lot of cages. Well, we're not uh, we're not shy about discussing that kind of stuff. And the discussion is being led by this guy. He is the one who founded this show, so they named it after him. Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. His name is, you know, Matthew J. Moore. Hey, Matt. Hey, that's right, Russell. Yeah, welcome back to another epic episode of America's Bitcoin-focused radio show where we recently have found that truth has been sometimes stranger than fiction. This has been a monster of a story, and uh, last week we covered the FTX story that has literally impacted not only the world of cryptocurrency, but also many other parts of society, and I don't think the contagion is over just yet. And that's why we're, we're doing this episode once again on this story with some more details, and as we suspected, this story just gets worse and worse and deserves multiple episodes of coverage as it unfolds. With billions of customers' funds now up in smoke, continual fraud seems to be the theme of this story as it unfolds. But to help me unwrap this gift that just keeps on giving (laughs) is my favorite Canadian with the Twitter handle known as BTC Plebeian. He is a returning guest, but for security reasons, we will just call him Sean. Sean, I know you're on the line. Welcome back to one of America's only radio shows dedicated to Bitcoin. Please introduce yourself to the audience. Hey, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, uh, I'm just a Canadian Bitcoiner. I'm a pleb. I've been in, uh, in Bitcoin for about five years now. Um, I'm back in Canada for a visit right now, but I'm actually in the process of moving to Tulsa. I've been on the show a couple of times before and uh, happy to be here breaking this uh, FTX fiasco down with you guys. That's right. We have successfully lobbied for Sean to move to Tulsa. So another asset added to the city. So super excited about that. But for those of you who missed the last episode of our coverage on this story, uh, please take the time, go listen to it, and it will help you better understand what is unfolding here and will add more context to today's broadcast. Uh, You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and KRMG.com. But to summarize the last show and to share a few new points to this FTX story, uh, here is what you need to know so you have a little bit of context. 
uh, one, like Russell was saying, the second largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world, known as FTX, collapsed, and the $32 billion operation is now in bankruptcy, along with its trading arm, Alameda Research, plus an additional 130 FTX group companies. And two, Sam Bankman-Fried, the founder of FTX and Alameda, had a back door, out of all things, in the books and was moving $10 billion of customers' funds to Alameda to leverage trade with about $1 to $2 billion unaccounted for. And according to a recent article from Forbes, it was recently found out that Sam had Alameda Research dish out, get this, $4.1 billion in personal loans to him and three other executives at FTX, with $1 billion of it just for him. And according to Fortune.com, this entire operation was being run internationally in the Bahamas by Sam's friends and ex-lover, all in their 20s and 30s. What was also shocking is that the majority of the net equity in Alameda was actually FTX's own centrally controlled and printed out of thin air token instead of, let's say, something like Bitcoin or some other government currency. Uh, Sam and his crew had unusually tight relationships with key players at MIT, Stanford, and the SEC and Congress, essentially giving them favor over other industry players when it came to many issues. Many of these ties coming from previous working relationships, family, and love affairs. Uh, and, and during this last election cycle, Sam Bankman-Fried was a mega donor, giving to both Republicans and Democrats in key positions, eventually making Sam the second largest donor to the Democrat Party, just behind George Soros. And although it is currently pure speculation at this point, according to an article from Coindesk, back in March, the Ukraine government partnered with FTX in order to funnel crypto donations to help fight the war with Russia. And according to a Fox Business article, this has raised some red flags for some lawmakers in Congress, with many now calling for an audit on how U.S. federal aid was used by the Ukraine government. Now, Sean, currently, this is a story that, that we know that, you know, is currently unfolding and seems to be this ongoing saga. According to the new FTX CEO, John Ray, who also helped clean up Get this, <laughs> Enron, right? Out of all situations, this guy, he's seen a lot. And he he mentioned, he goes, you know, I've never seen a failure of controls and compliance as bad as FTX. Sean, what do you say about this? Is this the most, what, what, what's the most shocking thing about this story? Yeah, there's so much here. It's uh, it's hard to pick one thing. I, I would say that the most shocking thing right now is just the sheer size of the situation. Um, you know, I think... A lot of Bitcoiners are using the nicknames um, scam bankster fraud for this guy <laughs> for the past year and a half. We all knew that there was something fishy going on here, but even I was expecting something of this scale. This is uh, is just something that uh, I don't think anyone expected it to be this bad. Yeah, it's I know. so surprising that he was able to get away with it. No, it really, really has. And we and we had Charlie and Andrew in uh, last week, but you know them. And and I, I asked them, you know, last week whether they thought this was kind of like a story of maybe incompetence, maybe some malice or corruption, or maybe maybe a little bit of everything. I don't know. Uh, I know this is all still unfolding in real time. But what do you think this was? Was it just incompetency? Well, I'll say that that's certainly how these leaked text messages he's sending out with people. Oh yeah, the, uh, are you talking about the? Him. Are you talking um, about the Vox uh, article? Yeah, I mean, there are, it's happened several times now, and they do tend to make him look incompetent or like he made a mistake, and I'm just absolutely not buying that. That's for sure. Um, he knew exactly what he was doing. You don't accidentally steal $10 billion of customer deposits.
Yeah, and you know, like like we talked last week, um, you know, what what advice would you give somebody so they don't don't become like the people who, you know, lost their shirt in this? I mean, we we talked about it last episode, but give us your take on this. How do you protect yourself from from getting involved in something like this? Yeah, well, this is the thing about Bitcoin, right? This is the talk I gave at the the Tulsa Bitcoin meetup. I think it was back in February. Um, Bitcoin offers a unique opportunity to self custody your assets. Um, you know, any securities or dollars that you hold with a bank are really just liabilities held by a third party. And uh, Bitcoin and self custody is the only asset that you can really hold. It's it's kind of like the equivalent of physical gold. Um, and so, you know, this is all really just a big learning lesson for everybody. Um, it's unfortunate that it had to hurt so many people. It would be nice if. Uh, if people can learn this lesson somehow without the pain. But um, ultimately, this is going to be a really powerful motivator for, for people to take self-custody seriously. You know, it's it's a great point. And recently, there was uh, $1.5 billion in Bitcoin that was moved out of exchanges in the last week due to this. And, uh, you know, this this could become really interesting when it comes to, you know, leverage and liquidity in the, in the marketplace. But, you know, a lot of people are saying, hey, Matt, you know, I get the whole idea of self-custody is the best way to protect yourself. But, you know, a lot of these big institutions and these big players who've got, you know, billions of dollars that want to enter this space, uh, they don't really want to self-custody. What, what would you say to them? We got, we got about two minutes uh, before break. Is, is, that, is self-custody, you know, since that's our message, is that going to prohibit growth to the, to the space? Well, frankly, I don't really care if institutions come in. I think uh, Bitcoin is for people, people to avoid um, theft through inflation, um, risk of counterparties uh, taking advantage of them. Um, so I don't care so much if, if institutions come in. Um, I would say, you know, there's a potential bigger concern looming here with this this DCG issue um, with the Grayscale Trust. It's completely absurd that they're not proving their reserves right now. It's extremely easy to do. There's no security risk whatsoever. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of institutional allocation to GBTC. And if that turns out to have any measure of fraud in it, um, that's going to push uh, institutions even further out of the game. And so uh, I think that's a much bigger issue than FTX, to be totally honest with you. Yeah, it's really interesting because as this is all breaking, uh, a lot of people are saying, well, watch out for the quote of, hey, everything is fine, everything is good, just go back to business as usual. That's usually a big red flag. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds in the next couple of weeks. But uh, we got to we gotta run to break. And I just want to remind you guys, if you want to learn more, if you want to catch up on past episodes, uh, or if you want to contact me, you can go to Matt jmore.com that is more with two o's mattjmore.com and when we come back we're going to dive more into this ftx story with sean because man we got a lot more details to cover yeah and you know we're not the only ones looking at this trust me the federal regulators are looking at it going should we be getting involved or more involved a lot of a lot of crypto traders are saying well some regulatory clarity would probably be really helpful and might have helped avoid some of this situation. We'll dive into some of that coming up. You're listening to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore on 1023 KRMG. Welcome back to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. I'm Russell Mills. Today's topic of conversation, the, well, implosion of FTX, the second largest uh, cryptocurrency exchange on the planet, formerly, because uh, now it's pretty much uh, dusted. I think, think they're trying to reorganize, but boy, 
What a mess. Meanwhile, the the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust is struggling to, with just with the fallout, as is a lot of the industry. And uh, here to kind of break down what some of this means for us, including us who just you know want to hold a little Bitcoin personally, is the uh, namesake of this show, Matthew J. Moore. Hey, Matt. That's right, Russell. Yeah, we uh, we want to welcome everybody back to this show. I mean, this is going to be a monumental show, just like last week. And uh, this might be one of the biggest financial frauds to ever take place, not just in the world of cryptocurrency, but I don't know, possibly ever. But if if you missed the first part of this show or, or last week's show, you can always find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and KRMG.com. And in order to get a bigger picture of this ongoing FTX story or scandal, like I like to put it, I would highly encourage you to listen to last week's show. And today on the line uh, to discuss the story even further is my favorite Canadian with uh, the Twitter handle known as BTC Plebeian. And he is a returning guest, but for security reasons, we're just going to call him Sean. But good news is we've got him coming to Tulsa and moving here for good in the near future. So, Sean, part one of this show has been shocking, but let's continue down this black hole known as the FTX scandal. Are you ready? ready to keep on digging? Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. All right, man. Well, um, here, here's some new information we got recently about FTX and Alameda's relationship, the uh, trading firm or the trading arm of FTX. Both companies supposedly were separate entities, but both were also owned by Sam Bankman-Fried. We already know Alameda was given users' funds through a FTX backdoor. We also know that these billions of dollars were being used for leverage trading by Alameda. However, according to the new CEO, John Ray, uh, Alameda had a secret exemption from FTX liquidation protocols. This is a process in which traders, if you don't know, traders who borrow money to place bets on the exchange would automatically have their collateral liquidated if they made some bad bets or if it turned south, right? Well, the revelation that was recently found out is that in a court document, it showed that Alameda held a, an advantage over everybody else when making these kind of risky trades. You could essentially call it maybe like a God mode or a cheat code because they themselves would never get liquidated even if they made a bad bet. So that would explain why Sam's lover, the CEO of Alameda, Caroline Ellison, was often praised for being some kind of like genius trader. And uh, what I found interesting is there's this this clip or an interview uh, that she was being asked about her uh, trading methods and what she you know uses for risk management. And just just take a listen to this audio clip from uh, the YouTuber Elio Trades. It's it's a clip of er Caroline Ellison talking about her trading activities. Let's take a look at the absolutely horrifying interview that came out of Caroline right around the time of the Luna collapse. Yeah, absolutely could pull it off without my math degree. <laughs> Use very little math. Um, use a lot of like uh, elementary school math. Being comfortable with risk is very important. Um, <laughs> we tend not to have things like stop losses. I think those aren't necessarily a great risk management tool. I'm trying to think of a good example of a trade where I've lost a ton of money. Um, well, I don't know. I probably don't want to go into specifics too much yeah, with that. <laughs> Not using advanced math, not using stop losses, trying to think of a big trade they lost a whole lot of money on, looks nervously at camera. Um, this is horrendous. Yeah, I mean, this is, this explains a lot. Sean, to me, this, this 20-something-year-old CEO, Caroline Ellison, seems like, well, maybe, maybe she was faking it with these new revelations uh, due to this cheat mode that she had. W what do you think about this new information? 
Yeah, well, it's pretty clear that these guys were absolute frauds. Um, honestly, one of the most staggering things about this whole thing is that FTX was making a lot of money. Uh, there's no reason. So what that means is that Alameda was losing even more than that. Um, they were in, just in trading fees, making you know many millions of dollars a day. And so that means they were transferring not only those profits, but also customer deposits over to Alameda and losing them. Um, and that's just, it blows me away that the scale of the loss here. Oh and yeah. So th- that can only be explained by just severe incompetence. And they didn't even know how many employees they had on the books too. <laughs> I mean, like what? Um, well, here's here's a here's we'll move on. We'll move on. But with billions of dollars of customers' funds being essentially used inappropriately, and billions more being issued as personal loans to FTX executives, there is now a call for lawmakers from both political parties to symbolically give up donations from FTX executives. According to a recent Politico article, Congressman Kevin Hearn, who represents the Tulsa area, is one of the lawmakers who has voluntarily given local charity donations uh, that equal to the same amount that he may have received from FTX leaders. Now, Sean, with with Sam being the second largest donor to Democrats and a contributor to both parties at large, uh, do, you, do you feel that people should follow Congressman Hearn's lead here? Should they should the politicians give up the donations that they got from the FTX executives? Yeah, I mean, I think they should. I think that's a great example to to lead with. Um the only thing I would say is they should be potentially returning the funds to the FTX deposit holders that were defrauded. Like these are not um, necessarily wealthy people. A lot of these people are just regular folks um, trying to avoid inflation, trying to find somewhere to put their savings um, where they can rely on them not being devalued year after year. And so this might've been, you know, just single working moms with $5,000 saved up uh, depositing them on exchange and buying some Bitcoin. And, uh, and, and those people need to get paid back, and they're the ones who are really getting hurt here. And so I would love to see all these politicians that um, raked in these huge donations, which essentially were, were customer deposits just being handed out to politicians to buy them off. Yeah, Sean, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and you, both you and I know that this event has probably solidified some new Bitcoiners who will focus only on self-custody in the future, which we are a fan of, and, and also steering many people away from speculating on altcoins and leverage trading. And, you know, here's here's a question for you. I mean, due to the current monetary system, the way it works, this is, you know, the inflation and the one to get yield and returns the current system kind of encourages people to go farther out on that risk curve. Would you agree? What well, absolutely does. Yeah. It actually basically makes it mandatory. If you, um, basically the U S dollars lost about 80% of its value over the past 35 years. Yeah. So if you were a, just a working person and you just want to save, um, you know, earn more than you spend and save for retirement, you can't just hold U S dollars because they, you will not have enough money to retire. So you have to go out and buy things like, real estate and stocks and bonds and Bitcoin and, you know, a number of other things, basically just kind of playing this casino, trying to find ways to avoid inflation. And um, yeah, it's just really unfortunate. Inflation is causing working people to push out on the risk curve, take risks that they don't necessarily want to take um, and, and get burned. Yeah, that's right. Well, we, we got to run to break here. And next segment is segment three. We're going to cover some new information about some other shady reputations in FTX leadership. It gets really juicy. So I'd encourage you to stick around because we're just getting started, baby. This story really does have everything, doesn't it? Crime. Yeah. Sex. Yeah. Shock value. Yeah. 
you know, if we find any headless bodies, you know, in the basement of FTX, we'll we'll have hit, you know, we'll have hit every cylinder. All right. Well, whatever happens, you know, we're not going to blush. We're not going to shy away. We're going to tell you about it right here. So stay tuned. Quick uh, check up on the news. and We'll be back with more of cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. You're listening to it live and local on 1023 KRMG Tulsa's News and Talk. Welcome back to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. I'm Russell Mills, and I do appreciate you hanging out with us, and I know Matt does too, even when we're tackling the tough subjects. And this one, as I mentioned uh, before the break, this one's got a little bit of everything. If you've not been following the collapse of the FTX cryptocurrency exchange, (laughs) go ahead and Google FTX and just sit back and enjoy a few hours of deep reading, uh, some of which is going to confuse you, some of which may well alarm you, but you could cut all those corners and just sit back and relax and let Matt explain it all to you. And here he is, Matthew J. Moore. Hey, Matt. Yeah, the, you're right, Russell. We really do try to explain this in a way that that people can wrap their heads around, and we try to exactly. summarize it in a, an appropriate way. Uh, if you if you missed the last few segments, we, we've been chatting, like I said earlier, with my favorite Canadian and soon-to-be Tulsan. Uh, he's an OG Bitcoiner. Original gangster, if you don't know what that means. But for security reasons, we're just going to call him Sean. But uh, we've been discussing the new revelations about this FTX scandal and how deep this black hole goes. And if you've been listening to the past segments, then, hey, you you already know this story and what's unfolding. But if you missed the last few segments of this show, then go back and, and listen to it. Once we get this up as a podcast form, you can find it on all major podcast flat platforms and uh, krmg.com. And I, I would also encourage you to listen to last week's show as well, because, you know, this is basically part two of our coverage. Now, now, Sean, I know you're on the line. Let's uh, let's change gears here. Let's let's talk ethics here, because obviously we know that the founder of FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, has a laundry list of horrible stuff that he's done, especially when it comes to customers' funds. Uh, and, and just recently, a reporter from Vox.com received some direct messages on Twitter from Sam, and and this reporter has now published these uh, direct messages. And uh, what was revealed was that this guy truly had no moral code, other than being an opportunist. And and in one of the messages, the reporter asked him, literally, spot blank, you were really good at talking about ethics for somebody who kind of saw it all as a game with winners and losers. And he replied, no joke, get this, he replied with this, yeah, <laughs> I had to be. This is what reputations are made of to some extent. I feel bad for those guys who got effed by it, but uh, this this dumb game that we woke Westerners play, where we say all the right shibboleths, uh, and, and so everybody like it, so everybody likes us. And I, you know, that was a new word for me, Russell. Do you know what that word means? Shibboleths. Um, no, no. I'm he's, he's, he's going to look it up while we continue. Here, I, but, sh- I will. But uh, Sean, Sean, are you are you shocked uh, to hear these comments about his just regard, Sam's regard towards ethics? Do you feel that, you know, Sam had this coming for him anyways? I would say I'm shocked that he was so irresponsible to let that leak, but I'm certainly not shocked that he said it. Um, that's uh, exactly what I thought he thought. Um, for the past year and a half while he was saying all that stuff in public. Um, you know, I think we're almost at the point in society where, uh, or I hope we are, where we start understanding that these virtue signalers are actually signaling that they're bad people. Mm. Um, if you're spending your time out there uh, trying to make people like you and going 
way out of the way to try to make yourself look like a good person. Um, it's probably because you have something to hide. Mm. And uh, hopefully we can all get past this soon. And everyone kind of, it, if people stop buying it, then uh, there won't be any any reward to pretending. So, Russell, did you find shibboleth? Do you know what that is? Well, for? yeah, essentially shibboleth is, is like a, a position or a statement or a truism that is held deeply by people who have a certain belief, but other people kind of look at it and go, well, that's just meaningless. Huh. Okay. So All right. Kind of, it's a matter of perspective, okay. I reckon. So he's basically saying you're uttering the empty phrases to make yourself sound like you're doing the right thing. Gotcha. Okay. Well, not surprisingly, uh, we know that uh, Sam didn't have, I guess now, the best moral compass, but take a listen to this other clip from YouTuber Elio Trades as he kind of lays out a few points about Sam's co-founder and chief regulatory officer. A lot of uh, shady stuff here. As we're about to dive into, we'll find out that SBF had not just Caroline doing crazy things, but he actually had two co-founders that have an extremely shady and very unclear past. Stuff that apparently investors like Sequoia, Paradigm, Tom Brady, Kevin O'Leary, some of the most prolific and diligent investors in history didn't know about. Where did he come from? He was a washout from Jane Street. When anyone tries to pin SBF down on where he made his money, you can't get a cogent answer. You needed real money up front in the place on this country crypto arbitrage to make big money. No one in their right mind would ever give you the money. So who funded this trade for you? Normally when people start companies, they get venture capital money yep. and those venture capitalists own a piece of it. Did you get venture capital money? I Not for Alameda. And what we ended up doing was basically cobbling together lines of credit and, and other things from various sources, trying to sort of snowball and be able to, to, to build on ourselves. You can't get a real answer. And his partner is a guy named Gary Wang. And no one can find it on Gary Wang. Now, this part I actually looked into. The only thing you see of Gary Wang on the internet is a picture of his back looking at a computer. Pretty much, you have one of the biggest, most influential partners in FTX. He doesn't exist on the internet. You look up Sequoia stuff, there's a picture of Gary Wang of his back facing a computer. Gary Wang is the same CTO or the chief technology officer of FTX? Allegedly. So as you dig into the layers, we don't know where the original money that they started FTX Alameda came from. This guy, Gary Wang, may or may not actually even exist or might not even be his real name. And even better, their risk officer apparently started a poker scam site where they were known for cheating against their own player base on the poker website. Hired a chief regulatory officer who was part of a card cheating scandal. And his name is Dan Friedberg. And if you hit up Dan Friedberg's LinkedIn, there's no mention of his time at, a, at the poker site. To be head of regulatory at FTX and have this in your past and cover it up. Now, when you piss off millions of crypto traders around the world and defraud the biggest and most powerful investors across the world, the truth starts to come out and everyone starts to combine their hive brain and their research abilities to dig in and figure out what the heck is going on. What's utterly crazy is the day that FTX declared bankruptcy, Gary Wang submitted multiple code contributions to the FTX GitHub code repo. That's the same day of the hack and that the database was wiped. It's the same day that malicious links went out to all FTX users. What? So Gary Wang, we don't know if he's real. We don't know if he's fake. Apparently submitted code the day that FTX went under and the major hack happened as well as a database exploit, as well as the regulatory officer has a shady past of cheating against their own customers. Again, it was well known that FTX was doing this exact same game, cheating against their customers and using Alameda to trade against their customers, seeing all of their positions and knowing exactly how to win. 
Sean, all of that is obviously a giant mess. And in, in, in your opinion, do you think this overall, this this FTX story, you know, is this does this hurt Bitcoin? Does this help Bitcoin? Is it a little bit of both? What what happens here? Well, I think there's going to be some short-term pain and people are going to be afraid of it um, from entering into Bitcoin. But, um, you know, ultimately, I think it's definitely a good thing. I think one of the big things that, you know, there's so much to cover in this story of fraud that it's hard to get it all in. And and even a three-minute clip like that, one of the biggest things that hasn't been touched on yet is that they held zero Bitcoin. Right. And so they had all these customer Bitcoin deposits. They owed their clients. I can't remember if it was 15,000 or 50,000 Bitcoins, but it was billions of dollars. And what that means is that um, they were taking money from people. Someone was wiring them, say, $10,000 to buy some Bitcoin, um, executing a buy on FTX. And, and FTX wasn't then going and using that to buy actual Bitcoin. They were just taking the money and sending it to their trading account and trading it on leverage on some other coins. And so what that amounts to is BTC price suppression. Uh, So the Bitcoin price has been suppressed by these fake deposits. Um, People were trying to buy Bitcoin that should have pushed the Bitcoin price up. And uh, by creating these fake deposits, they were able to suppress the price. And so I think ultimately taking a player like this out of the market is going to make it harder to suppress the price of Bitcoin. And in the long run, that's obviously good for it. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I think, um, you know, obviously this, the bear market weeds out a lot of these bad players and bad money. Um, and, and I just, I just want you to make the point here, Sean, cause we did this on the last show. And so there might be some people listening to this show who didn't listen to the last one. Despite all this bad stuff happening with FTX and these exchanges, these are third party entities, they're centralized exchanges, and these are just, just criminal actions from, from people who were with the company. So remind people it's not necessarily bitcoin or bitcoin's network that is in jeopardy or in trouble here because value proposition is still here still works everything's kosher um because i've get, been getting a lot of phone calls i'm sure you've probably gotten some phone calls about people being like is everything okay with bitcoin or you know are you whole matt and i'm like yes i this is all ftx related i didn't have i don't keep my money on exchanges and i never use ftx that's right. Yeah. I mean, same for me. Um, nobody, nobody I know was using FTX because I would never send anyone there. Um, but yeah, as long as you keep your Bitcoin in self-custody, it's a total non-issue. It's a, it's just an entertaining event. Um, you know, it, it's kind of mixed a lot of uh, sadness and laughter. I, I think on the one hand, like, like I said earlier, we've been calling this guy scam bankster fraud for years now. And uh, we've known this was coming. And, and so it's kind of funny to see everything play out and, and to have been right and all that. But it's also really sad, right? Because you've got real people getting scammed by this guy. And, uh, and that's terrible. Well, you know, we've got just probably a minute or two before we got to go to break. Do, do you think this changes the timeline for the next bull market? Or are we still on course? I think the bull market has nothing to do with this. I okay. think the bull market is all to, although, you know, to some extent, the the kind of last leg up was definitely held a little lower than otherwise would have been by the, the price suppression of places like FTX. But ultimately, um, it's just a factor of Fed liquidity. If the Fed's quantitative easing, then credit creation is growing around the world. Money's getting printed and, uh, and, and that's going to provide liquidity and that's going to help all assets. Um, and when they're tightening, they're shrinking the money supply the interest rates are going up. Um, that's going to hurt credit creation around the world, hurt the supply of money, and, and that's going to hurt risk assets. 
That's right. And I just want to remind you guys, if you're listening to this show and you know what, you, you're kind of intimidated by this space, but you want somebody to kind of hold your hand so you don't get caught up in stuff like this, well, you can always go to my website, mattjmore.com. That's more with two O's, mattjmore.com. And I'd be happy to chat with you. Send me a message. We can set up a consultation. I don't give financial advice, but I can definitely teach people how to fish. And we're going to take a quick time out. Fish sounds good. Hmm. Now I'm hungry. Thanks a lot, Matt. <laughs> I'm teasing. Quick time out. You're listening to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore on 1023 KRMG Tulsa's News and Talk. Welcome back to Cryptocurrency with Matthew J. Moore. I'm Russell Mills. Today we've been talking about the FTX scandal. Can't can't call it anything else. It is scandalous and it is huge and it is going to take a while to sort out how, you know, $32 billion just basically disappears overnight. But trust me, they'll, they'll get to the bottom of all that. Meanwhile, they made a really great point during the last segment. I hope you were listening. Bitcoin wasn't actually involved literally not involved right. because the, they didn't actually hold any Bitcoin. They told people they did. I think that's just a key point that more, more people need to tune into, Matt. And there is our host, Matthew J. Moore. What do you think? That's that's true. And uh, that's why there's a there's a big difference between a lot of these speculative assets and Bitcoin. And uh, there is there is differences. And that's why we like to talk about it on the show. That's why we focus on Bitcoin. It's definitely more the uh, conservative play here, but it's definitely got a lot of staying power. And in my, in my opinion, it's the perfect form of money. Um, but uh, we got a long ways to go and a lot of education to do. And that is, uh, again, why we do this show. But if you missed the last few segments, uh, we've been chatting with uh, my favorite Canadian and uh, Bitcoiner. He is, a, for, well, for security reasons, we're just going to call him Sean. But uh, hey, guess what? We're soon going to bring him to Tulsa. So that's cool. Uh, we've been discussing um, the last few segments about these revelations about the FTX exchange and how deep this, this black hole really goes, because it does kind of seem like that. But to be honest, I, I wouldn't have, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to unpack this story if it, it really wasn't for our awesome sponsor. Um, you know, this show is made possible because of them. And uh, Get Hedge is the name of the sponsor, and that is who brings you this show every Sunday. So my question to you is, do you have a strategy to obtain Bitcoin on a regular basis? Do you plan to automate your dollar cost averaging? What about, what about getting all or part of your paycheck in Bitcoin? Well, Hedge is revolutionizing how you get paid. Hedge makes it easy to automatically convert your pay into Bitcoin. Whether you're an employer or employee, you can get started in four easy steps. And uh, Bitcoin, hey, like I said, it's a long-term play. Start a strategy today. Hedge is here to help you make it easier to stack those sats month after month. So what are you waiting for? Start living on the hedge. Check them out at gethedge.io. Again, that is gethedge.io. And here is how you can qualify for the $200 worth of Bitcoin that I will be giving away. Uh, whether you're listening live or later, uh, you can still qualify. If you go to my website, mattjmore.com, and scroll down to that resource section, you'll find a button that says Get Hedge. Click that and sign up for Hedge and start having a portion of your paycheck allocated into Bitcoin. And it can be as little or as much as you want. Using Hedge, here's the cool part. You can skip the exchange experience all together and you can have your bitcoin sent directly to a self-custody wallet that you want so i'll i highly recommend that process um and uh hedge you know they're going to give me a list of uh emails of those who signed up and i'm going to draw a lucky winner so for that you know what are you waiting for go to my website mattjmore.com 
All right, Sean, let's uh, let's continue this. We got a couple more minutes before uh, we close out the show, but. I want to thank you for joining us today because it's uh, really has been mind blowing about this uh, FTX exchange story and its possible implications for those who, you know, enjoyed what you had to say today. Where, where could they follow you and your work? We there? Oh, maybe we lost them. Well, um, no, you've got me here. Okay. Sorry. No, yeah, you no, you can find me at Twitter at BTC plebeian, but um, you know, the best place to find me is going to be at the Tulsa Bitcoin meetup. Um, it's always more fun to talk in person, dive deep on this stuff. Uh, show up there. There's lots of great people. You, Charlie, Andrew. Right. People who are really knowledgeable. If you have any questions and want to learn about Bitcoin, um, we're more than happy to help you out. Well, here's here's kind of my, my final question about this FTX story. Um, you know, it seems to me that a lot of very important people either missed all these a lot of these red flags or basically turned a blind eye due to uh, other reasons. Was this an issue of regulation or was this just bound to happen anyways? What are your thoughts? I don't think regulation is going to help at all, personally. Um, I think uh, the, the great financial crisis makes that very clear. I think it's really easy for fraudsters to stay one step ahead of regulators. Even in traditional markets, it's even easier in the world of, you know, crypto scams. And so I don't I don't anticipate uh, and, and, you know, I've got my own my own hesitation about even the current currently regulated entities like DCG and Coinbase, um, I'd be surprised if they're fully reserved, to be totally honest with you. And they are regulated. So, um, yeah, I'm, he I'm hesitant to embrace regulation. I don't think that's ever going to be the solution. I think Bitcoin is a naturally self-regulating system. Um, there is no one to bail you out. So if someone goes under, um, you know, the federal government couldn't have stepped in here and printed that Bitcoin that FTX lost for depositors. There's just no way to do it. Right. Um, so that's ultimately, this is the free market in a, in a really pure way, um, kind of cleansing itself. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and if you if you looked at that Vox uh, article where Sam's uh, direct messages were published, he was actually saying a lot of the, oddly, some of the same things you were saying is like, yeah, regulators are a joke. You can just stay in front of them. So, uh, And look at their executives. They're all they're all former regulators. Like these people, right. it's just a revolving door between the regulators and the, and the big scammers. It's, it's it, they're not the answer. Well, and there's definitely some suspicious relationships that we uncovered in the last episode, but... Hey, finish. we did this to Charlie and Andrew. Finish this sentence for me, okay? Bitcoin is inevitable because. It's an idea whose time has come. I like that. That's really good. Okay, I'll take that. Well, guess what? If you're late tuning in for this episode, hey, don't forget to listen to this recording once again because there's a lot of information on it. You can check it, on, check it out at all major podcast platforms. And we really, we really want you to keep tuning in every Sunday so we can educate you, keep you safe, hopefully, and uh, give you some information that just might change your life. And hopefully might help you avoid some of the pitfalls that led people to lose money in this deal because one thing they talk about here a lot is self-custody. If you don't know what that means, yeah, go check out some of those prior episodes and come back here next Sunday because we'll be here at 5 talking about crypto with Matthew J. Moore on 1023 KRMG Tulsa's News and Talk. See you then.